I want to be like Christ more than any time in my life. If you hear the emotion in my voice, it's because this week I was in Indianapolis all week at a special training on a particular leadership tool that I use to help leaders understand themselves. And it's more than the tool these people I've been gathering with for a number of years. And it's become a community, a family, and this year 40 people gathered. And I realized something during the week. I was witnessing the kingdom of God. And I listened to people pray. And I listened to people talk and share Jesus. And I listened to people talk about their own struggles and their own needs and their, their own life and what's going on in their life. And as I listened to them and I listened to this longing and this yearning in their soul, the labels of how I had looked at those people were like scales that fell off my eyes. Here's why. I was gathered with some Canadian friends who lead the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, CMA, in Canada. I was gathered with some Southern Baptist friends from Alabama and North Carolina. I was gathered with some Methodist friends, some Disciples of Christ friends, some independent Christian church friends, and some from my own tribe, the Churches of Christ. Five of us were there. Some of us have been gathering in this community for a while around this tool that we use for leadership development. And we do it in secular cultures as well, secular places as well. It's a tool called Berkman. It's used in 250 out of 500 Fortune 500 companies. I've done it with an aviation company in Dallas and their management team. I've done it with a trucking company and their management team. I've done it in team building with elder groups and I've done it in universities. And it's a great tool, but what the tool does is just simply open up conversation about how God's wired you and how God wired me and, and, and how we can serve in the body of Christ. And as I was listening to these people with these different religious backgrounds, here's what I realized. They love God as much as I do. Here's what I realized. They knew as much truth as I know. You hear me, church? Here's what I realized. These people want to follow Jesus. They're not ignorant. Many of them have doctor's degrees. Many of them are well-educated. They love God. They were raised in a particular religious heritage. They love God and love Christ as much as I do. Many, if not all of them, have been baptized into Christ. But in the back of my mind, there's this yeah, but. You know what I mean? And it's really sad to me. I was walking to our housing. It's a campus that we were at, and kind of like dorms, there's apartments. And 
I was walking one night after dinner, after a, a lot of prayer and a lot of sharing and just simply being in the Word and, and talking about Jesus and how God wants people to come to Him and, and be near Him. And, and these brothers and, and sisters, they were, so, they were just incredible. And I'm walking across to my room with my friend Jay Jarbo, and I said, Jay, I'm, I hurt that I've had such scales in my eyes. And he said, I know what you mean, brother. What I witnessed this week, brothers and sisters, whether you agree with or not, was the kingdom of God. And I'm keenly aware how uncomfortable this makes some of us. But when we put ourselves and our interpretation and our understanding and our knowledge at the center of what it means to be church, that's not kingdom. Our Father who art in heaven, prayed that prayer all my life. Hallowed be thy name. Pray that prayer all my life. Thy kingdom come. Oh, can't pray that. Church is already here, so that's the kingdom. Case closed. Listen to me. That's not what the Bible teaches. That kingdom and church are synonymous. The church is the called out people of God, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, in order to be ruled by God. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to think about an understanding of kingdom literally being, I want to be simple. I've struggled with this all week, how to say this. And I'll walk you through some things in Mark that that gives indications of the kingdom. But I'm a king. That's my last name. No one in my family treats me that way. I just want you to know. None of my friends treat me that way. But the reality is this. King is where it stops. The crown on the head. He has subjects in his kingdom. He's the final what? Authority. He's the final say, right? The kingdom of God then becomes whoever chooses to do the will of God. Now, who are my mothers and brothers and sisters, Jesus asked? Those who do the will of God. That's who they are. Mark chapter 3, 31 through 35. Lord, everyone's looking for you. Your brothers and sisters and your family's looking for you. Lord, you got... Who are my brothers and brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of God. Mark chapter 3. The kingdom is then becomes... Here's the key word, the key shift. Church, meaning ecclesia, the called out people of God for God's purposes in the world to be holy, to be sanctified, to act as redeemed, reconciled, restored people doing the same thing in the world, redeeming, reconciling, and restoring people. We're called out by God for that purposes. In Him we have redemption, Ephesians 1-7. It's all about Christ and all those big salvation, all those salvation words, redemption, restoration, reconciliation, 
justification, sanctification, all those big five-letter, five-syllable church words, okay? But all of them point to one thing. It's God's work and God's doing and God's alive in the world and God's way ahead of us people and, and it's not totally all on our shoulders to judge, to figure out and to assign people where they are in heaven or hell. Amen to that? It's God's work. Let God be God. Don't try to be God. And it takes a big burden off of you when you can just join in the, the discipleship journey and, and, and you, you talk to a friend and you say, well, I haven't heard it like this. This is what I believe. And I believe this is what the, the Bible's kind of sharing, uh, teaching me. And, and we all kind of come along together. Everybody's at a different part in their journey. But think of kingdom as those ruled by God. That's the key word, ruled. The church is the ecclesia, the called out of God to be ruled by God. Or as my friend Lynn McMillan in Oklahoma Christian says, he says, God's idea and ideal for the church is perfect. Man's living out his ideal is imperfect. I love that. Lynn's 75 years old. Probably wouldn't want me to say that. Sorry, Lynn. Lynn's 75 years old, still teaching Bible regularly. He's a brilliant scholar. He's a great, humble man. He's an elder at the Memorial Church. And he says, look, the struggle is, it's not that the church of Christ as we know it with the sign of the door is perfect. It's not. We have certain ideals we hold to as a church. We love Scripture. We love God. We, we, want, we want to hold up Scripture. We want to seek truth. But don't assume that others aren't seeking truth as much as we're seeking. And at times I wonder if I've really been a seeker or I have just simply arrived and you need to come where I come. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's really, I love the churches of Christ. I'm dying in the church of Christ. I may get shot before I finish here. <laughs> I love us. I know us warts and all. And the world is desperately hungry for people who genuinely want to live an humble life, seeking God, aligning with people who, who want to do good in the world. Think about it this way. Wherever there is goodness in the world, God is. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from where? The Father above. Wherever there is truth, regardless of who says it, if an atheist says something that's true to Scripture, then it's still true no matter who said it. Would you agree with that? Truth is truth is truth is truth is truth. It doesn't matter who says it. Yeah, I can't believe he, you, you'd listen to him because he's this religious label. Wait, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. If it's true, it's true. If it's true, it's true. Wherever goodness is in the world, wherever kindness is in the world, the, anything consistent with who God is is where God is. Does that make sense? Anything consistent with who God is is where God is. You can tweet that if you want. That's pretty good. All right? Don't mean that arrogantly. I thought that's a... Okay. So let's look at Mark's understanding of kingdom. Because I think I've laid out enough tension already for those of us that have been raised with us to be able to move into what the scripture actually say. In Mark chapter 4, here it is. 
Start with verse 3. Well, verse 2 is fine. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, what's the very first word in your Bible? Listen. Listen. All of Mark 4 is framed by, pay attention to this. Listen. Get both ears going. Don't talk. Don't interrupt. Listen carefully. The, 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 the language behind, behind the original language, it's intentional attentiveness. Listen. Pay attention. That's the first thing he says. A sower went out to sow. Now, any peasant in that day and time, anybody would understand what he's talking about because they lived off the land. He used common agrarian language. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path. And the birds came up and ate it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into the good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And he said... Let anyone with ears listen. Now here's something unusual I found this week, and I can document it and send it to you if you question my, my uh, farming techniques, because this is true. I grew up in rural Oklahoma. My mother and father, or my mother's family, were all wheat and cotton farmers. You've heard me say that. So I know I've ridden tractors. I've, I've rid, as a little boy, I, I rode as they plowed the fields, and I know how you have to get a field ready. But what I learned just this week, been teaching this for years, in that culture, you sowed first and you plowed under second. You're saying, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You won't do that in Paris, Texas. That clay, will it won't work. It's not going to work. I'm telling you, I can document that if you want to know the documentation on it, where I got it from. Think about the implication of that. Instead of going, well, that's not a very smart farmer, that's not the point. They sowed first, and the limestone rock was very shallow, and it broke apart easily. So now you're beginning, it begins to make sense. They would sow the seed, some fell here, and some, but they're going to till that soil, they're going to Break open that soil. Now watch the emphasis. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him long, along with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything comes in parables. He quotes from Isaiah. They'll look but not perceive. They'll listen but not understand. So they may not turn again and be forgiven. What? I thought that's what we wanted. This is not literal. This is a way of saying, here's the nature of the kingdom. It's not about intelligence. It's not about logic. It's about how God works in spite of our logic and in spite of our sowing 
And in spite of all the stuff we do, watch what he says. He's not going to be talking about the ground. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Do you not understand it? Then how will you understand all the parables? So to understand this one is to understand and have a foundation for understanding all of them. It's a way of communicating the nature of the kingdom or another way of saying it is in non-preacher terms, what does it mean for God's rule to be in someone's life? Or another way to say it is, because you believe God is king, an image that's used all the way through the Old Testament, because you believe God is king, what fruit is there in your life to show you that you're doing the will of God? That's another way of saying that. So watch the text. You know the story. Don't get ahead of me. You've heard this. You've taught this. You Bible class teachers. You're thinking, I know where this is going. Let it sink with, just, just stay with me. Or stay with God. Because this is God's text. The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown among them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. They hear the word. They immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, on what? On account of the word. On account of those doing the will of God, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares, listen to this, cares of this world, the enticement or the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. The peasants in that time, the people that worked the land, expected about a 7 to 1 return. If they got 10 to 1 return on the crop, that was incredible. Now keep reading. He talks about a lamp under a bushel, which is about two gallons. You say, that's not a bushel for me. Back then, a bushel basket, this word is about a two gallons. Or under the bed, or not on the lampstand. For nothing is hidden except it's disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with, help me, ears to hear, listen. What's he doing? What's Jesus doing? I told you what this means. Do you get it? This is about people. Some people's hearts hear it and think that's good, but it doesn't stick. Some people, it's so hard in their life that nothing soaks in, no matter how much they go to church. Recently, a good friend of mine her husband who grew up in church, been going to church all his life. He's a good man. But he'd been involved with another woman multiple times, lied to her for years. She'd had enough. It's over. And as I'm sitting here, I can point you to where I saw him sit every year, every day, every Sunday, I mean, every time that we preached, he was there. But in his private life, had been having often on adulterous relationships for years. And on more than one occasion, on a retreat or something, would say, 
I just don't know if I, this God thing is really real or not. Or as Tony Campolo says, when a student came to him, says, I don't know if I believe in God or not. And Tony Campolo would say, who are you sleeping with? See, wh why do we shift to belief in God when there's deep angst that the word of God has not sunk so deep in us and our longings are not for God and it didn't take root but we're continuing to do the constant church thing but we know there's some stuff going on on the inside we just don't want to deal with and it may not be as extreme as adultery we consider that extreme but it could be something else so he's not talking about you know what he's talking about he tells them what he's talking about pay attention to what you hear the measure you give, notice that, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get. I had scales off my eyes this week. I've been with this group before. I held back a little bit. I love this, these people. And when I heard them praying and I heard them listening to God and I heard them love the scripture as much as I do and I heard that they had been baptized in Christ and I heard that they didn't go to my particular tribe, my scales remain, I, I'm thinking, well, I got to do something about that, God. They just don't quite know as much as I know. How arrogant is that? How pompous is that? I learned from these people this week. And in turn, as we went around the room and shared, they said, Grady, you have really blessed me this week. Individuals said that. Your insight, your journey, your vulnerability, your honesty. I'm not patting myself on the back. All of us were that way. What creates that kind of culture? What creates that kind of culture where anybody from any religious background can walk into the Lamar Avenue Church of Christ, ask any question they want, and be loved anyway? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you long for? It's that we're a church that heals. We're a church that redeems. We're a church that takes you where you are. We're a church that, that, that's not going to go, oh, well, let us teach you. How about these three passages that you don't know about? That's great to share that. It's how we share it. It's the humility we have. It's, it's our own journey that we walk along with people. For those who have will be more given, and for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Jesus is not always easy to understand, but the kingdom of God is like this. If someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow, he does not know how. Wait just a minute. I thought it was about my farming techniques. And if you need farming techniques, you just spend the day with Richard Peace and he'll talk to you about agriculture and about land and about water. It's all about Richard Peace's knowledge. And Richard Peace will tell you, some things happened on that land he had nothing to do with. And even when you calculate it and figure it out, and how much water tables this, and how much water's draining off here, and how we need to do this, and how we need to enrich the soil here, in the end, who causes it to grow? God. So, watch the text, church. The kingdom is as like this person who would scatter seed on the ground. He goes to sleep, and it grows. But the, when the grain is ripe, at once he goes with a sickle because the harvest has come. Who does the harvesting? He does. But how did it happen that he could harvest it? God caused it to grow. God is at work in the world, and he is at work in so many ways beyond what our understanding is. The only response we can have is love truth, 
love God, love his people, and be humble with the knowledge you have and the spirit you have with other people who you have had judgments about. Lord, Lord, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. He was not one of our tribe. That's the way I say it. He was not one of us. Mark chapter 9, if you want the text. And Jesus says, well, you better run over there and correct him real quick and get him in the right place. Now, that's not what the Bible says. What does it say? Leave him alone. Whoever's not against me is for me. You see, Jesus is so disorienting with my understanding. Do, it's, does the church matter? Yes. God knows who are his? Yes. Does kingdom matter? Yes. Is church and kingdom synonymous? I still pray the Lord's Prayer often in my life, and here's why I pray it. I want God's rule to continually come and be more full in my life. That's what I pray. Thy kingdom come in my life. Lord, I want you to rule. Those days I don't feel like forgiving, i got to forgive. Those days I don't want to talk to somebody I need to talk to. Those days that I have bitterness in my soul, I need to confess that. I want to be ruled by you. I want to do your will no matter what. That's why I started where I started today. It's the week I've had. It's just been like coming back on the plane. I was so exhausted because I was trying to figure all this out and put it in little boxes and make sure that I was more right than they were right and make sure I wasn't betraying this and that. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, what am I doing? God's in charge of all that stuff, not me. I'm just to be an humble servant, helping people come along and them helping me come along. I can learn anywhere from anybody in any way. And when I don't, maybe the kingdom's not as much in me. What can we compare the kingdom of God to? Or what parable will we use for it? That's Jesus. It's like mustard seed, which when sown among the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. When it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. I went off and forgot my mustard seed. I have some mustard seed from Israel. It is so tiny. You Bible teachers have done this in your classes before. This bush, if I showed you a picture, is 8 and 10 feet wide and 8 and 10 feet high, the mustard plant. Whoa. And birds of the air, it's so strong. Come apart. But it started here. There's two things I think God's trying to teach us here about kingdom. One is, it's his kingdom, not ours, and we better be very humble in the assertions and the judgments we make. The kingdom, these parables, are about, they're about hope. They're about hope even when we can't see it. And it's about patience with people. It's about talking to people and interacting and realize, well, we have some differences here. That's not quite the way we do it. And, and here's the truth, and this is this, and this, and this. It's more like, tell me more. What's your story? The way I understand it is. And staying calm and and. and Oh, that's, I never thought about it like that. Let's journey. Let, I'll be praying for you. You pray for me. See, it's more of a collaborative approach to God's being the ruler in our hearts and lives. Does this make sense? Don't you want that for Lamar Avenue? Don't you want to be a church where people don't start like, oh, you're the ones that. Or I had a bad experience and I'll never enter the doors with. 
I'm so tired of that. I'm 62 years old, and I'm hoping before I die that nobody says that anymore because of the kind of people we want to be ruled by God. I'm praying. People are starving, folks. They're starving. They're starving for people to seek truth, to be honest and vulnerable and open with their own life and, and passionately love Jesus and come along and not feel like we, we've got to take this position that we've got to correct everything everybody says. God will bring it to light if we love people right. There's another tweet. God will bring it to light if we love people right. Lord, we saw someone cast out demons. Ah, been there, done that. So when I'm with you the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which I know some of you won't be in town um, or be gone, but if you happen to be here, I want to walk through, and I'll give you a handout on, after Thanksgiving, what this kingdom fleshes out to look like. It has to do with a childlike faith, Mark chapter 10. It has to do with recognizing when people are yearning for God's rule in their life. I'll flesh that out the Sunday after Thanksgiving with a little handout. I'll just walk you through every passage in the gospel about the kingdom of God. But it began this way. He went about preaching the good news of the kingdom. Mark 1, 14 and 15. What's the good news? The good news of the kingdom is here's what God's rule looks like in contrast to the world and in contrast to those who are hypocrites. Here's what the good news looks like. It looks like humility of a child. It looks like patience of a sower. It looks, it looks like subversion against those powers of the world that insist on acting a certain way to control you. We refuse that. We're not going to act that way. It looks like recognizing others that are near to the kingdom, that are seeking God. It looks like a number of different things. Mark every passage. You can do it on your own. Take a concordance. And just type in the word on your computer, the word kingdom. Start in Genesis, go all the way through, through, see how it's worded, see how it's used. Type in the word church, see how that's used, and you're going to find this. Church, kingdom is the big rule of God over creation, over all the universe, over everything. The birds of the sea, the land, the air, the cattle on a thousand hills. Kingdom is all-encompassing. Church is the called-out people of God who have chosen to be ruled by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And at the end, it's going to be every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. If we can baptize you into Christ as good news that your life can be different, we want to do that now. If you need prayers, if you need to go across and just tell somebody, wow, thank you for being who you are. Affirm them and their encouragement of you in the body of Christ. Let's stand and let's sing.